Would you please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And as you do, we're going to dismiss our children to Children's Church. So if you have little kids who are pre-K through fourth grade who want to meet for Children's Church, you can do that now. We are in a sermon series on the topic of prayer. We're looking at some of the greatest prayers in the Bible, and in this morning's sermon, we come to arguably the greatest prayer in the Bible, which is the Lord's Prayer. We'll be looking at that together this morning. Now, Pastor Dave mentioned that we have Monday, Thursday coming up. We have Easter Sunday coming up, and I would be remiss if I did not remind you that Easter is, I think, one of the greatest days of the year, period, but it's especially a great day to be baptized. And so if you have not been baptized and you would like to be baptized, professing faith in Christ, trusting in Him for salvation, if you have little children and those children have not yet been baptized and you would like them to be baptized as a visible sign and seal of their inclusion in the promises of God and the family of God, Easter would be a great time for a baptism. So please speak to me, speak to Pastor Sean or Pastor David afterwards. We will speak to you about what baptism is and what it isn't, and we will hopefully be able to baptize you on Easter Sunday. So if that's on your radar, please talk to me after the service. Well, let's give our attention to the reading of God's Word. We're in Matthew 6. We're going to be reading verses 9 through 10, which will be our major major topic this morning, but we'll actually read all the way through verse 13. This is God's word, beginning in Matthew 6, verse 9. Jesus said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word. Let's go to him now in prayer. O Lord our God, we thank you for this remarkable prayer. And we ask that you would speak to us through your word. For we, your servants are listening. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As a general rule, Americans do a lot of praying. I found a Pew study this week from 2019, and according to that survey that they did from across the country, 55% of all Americans say they pray at least once every single day. Now, we do not pray as much as Nigerians and Ethiopians and Ugandans, but we pray far more than people who live in China and Russia and really all throughout Western Europe. To give you an idea, according to the study, 95% of all the Nigerians that they surveyed say that they pray at least once a day. 95%. Only 1% of all people in China report to praying every single day. 
And so at 55%, we're right about in the middle of those two groups. The study also found that Protestants tend to pray more than Catholics. Black people tend to pray more than white people. Older people pray more than younger people. And women pray more than men. And so, in other words, if you are in desperate need of prayer... I would be happy to introduce you to my neighbor, Vonda, who is statistically more likely to pray for you than any other person that I know. She meets all the criteria. The numbers don't lie. So what do we say to God when we go to him in prayer? A recent study from Brandeis University said that when 80% 80 of us pray very personal prayers... One of the most common ways to begin a prayer is to pray, Dear Lord, while another popular opener was, Hello, Jesus? So I take it that many of us are writing letters when we pray, but some of us are making phone calls. No word on how many of us are texting which is a potentially dangerous thing, since I believe that using emojis when we pray is a violation of the second commandment. It's not in any of the confessions, but I have to believe that using graven emojis when we pray is not looked upon favorably by God. But I digress. As Christians, we know that prayer is one of the greatest blessings of life in the kingdom of God. There's nothing more amazing than the simple fact that God hears our prayers. Just think about that. We can talk to God. If you were to call the President of the United States on the phone, he would not take your phone call. Nor would he return your call if you left a message for him. Our senators are unlikely to return your phone call. Our congressmen maybe would return your phone call. Frankly, I have a hard time getting a plumber on the phone. Normally, rich, powerful, influential people and plumbers are much too busy to talk to ordinary people like us. But think about this. We have instant, immediate access to God in prayer. And not only does God hear our prayers, He answers our prayers because of Jesus. We don't have to pray perfect prayers. We don't have to pray eloquent prayers prayers. We do not have to be perfect people in order to pray, nor do we have to have perfect faith in order to pray. When it comes to prayer, all that matters is Jesus. When we come to God in the name of Jesus, it's no longer about who we are and what we've done. It's all about Him, who He is, and what He has done for us on the cross. We also know that God uses prayer in order to make us more like Jesus, giving us peace that surpasses all understanding, even as we wrestle with the difficulties and uncertainties of life in this fallen world. And so, if prayer is such a great blessing, and it is, 
Why is prayer also one of the sources of our greatest frustrations? Most of us wish that we spent more time in prayer. Most of us wish that we could be more focused when we pray. Most of us wish that we could be more articulate when we pray. How do we praise the God who created us? How do we thank the God who loves us? How do we give glory to God who sustains us every moment of every day by the power of His Holy Spirit? Where do we find the words to express the deepest longings of our hearts? Lord, teach us to pray. Today we're going to talk about prayer in the kingdom of God by looking at the most famous prayer ever prayed, the Lord's Prayer. It's a prayer that most of us have memorized. It's a prayer that we pray together every single week as we gather together to worship the Lord. Even if you're not a Christian, there's a good chance that you are familiar with this prayer. But how well do we really know it? In what sense is God our Father? What does that mean? Is God in heaven? Isn't God everywhere? Doesn't God live within our hearts? What does it mean to hallow God's name? True story. When I was a little kid, I thought that I was praying, hallowed be your name. And I thought to myself, why would we want to hallow God's name? What does that even mean? Can we hollow it out sort of, you know, like an like a old dead tree? Nine-year-old me was completely confused by the, the prayer of hollowing or hallowing God's name. When we pray, your kingdom come, what is it that we're really saying? Are we praying for the second coming? Are we praying for the rapture? Are we praying for Armageddon and the end of all things? Or are we praying that God's kingdom would come through better schools and better hospitals? Are we praying that God's kingdom would come through more missionaries and pastors and Bible studies and churches? When we pray, your will be done, do we realize what we're saying? Do we really want that? (laughs) Do we really want God's will to be done? If we're honest, I think most of the time we want our own will to be done. Some of us pray precisely because we want our will to be done. We say, God, here's exactly what I want you to do. And if you could be quick about it, please, then we're good. What does it mean to pray your will be done? These are some of the questions we'll be asking this morning as we begin a three-week mini-series on the Lord's Prayer. Now, if you're taking notes this morning and you want to follow along, here's the outline. Here's where we're going. First, we're going to see that kingdom prayer is collective prayer. We pray to our Father in heaven. Second, we'll see that kingdom prayer is intimate prayer. We pray to our Father in heaven. And third, we'll see that kingdom prayer is transcendent prayer. We pray to our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven, 
our Father in heaven and our Father in heaven. Collective prayer, intimate prayer, transcendent prayer. What if we could all pray like this? Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, according to Jesus, we can. Let's take a closer look. Now, before we, get on to the, before we get to the first two verses of the prayer, I want to say a few things about the overall structure of the prayer. Now, you'll notice from the outset that this prayer is very well organized. It begins with a brief introduction, our Father in heaven, that's what we'll be talking about today, before moving on to six requests, which we sometimes call petitions. The first three requests, petitions, are all about the glory of God. And the second three petitions are all about life on this earth. Today, we'll be looking at the introduction of the prayer. Next week, we'll consider the first three petitions. And then the week before Easter, we'll talk about the second three petitions. Another thing to note is that when Jesus says, pray then like this, he's not saying that we can only pray these exact words. This is a prayer and not a mantra. A mantra is something that you sort of say over and over again. It can be an actual word or maybe just a sound that you repeat over and over again in order to kind of clear your mind, help you relax, so you're not thinking about the words at all. If you prayed the Lord's Prayer that way today, or if you have prayed that prayer, the Lord's Prayer that way in the past, then unfortunately you've missed the point of the prayer. We have to think about the words because this prayer establishes a pattern for our prayers. Every time that we pray, Our individual prayers in our own words should contain echoes of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught the first disciples to pray. Now, while it's certainly appropriate for us to use these exact words, and we do every single week, the ultimate goal is to take these words and make them our own. Pray then like this. Now, that's the introduction to the introduction, and now on to the introduction. The first thing that we see is that kingdom prayer is collective prayer. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he did not say, not teach us to pray, my Father in heaven. He taught us to pray, our Father in heaven. Jesus wants us to pray corporate prayers. Corporate, as in corporeal, as in body, not corporate, as in Enron or office space. We pray these prayers together as the people of God. Jesus wants us to be a praying church. Again, while it's certainly not wrong to pray silent prayers or isolated individual prayers, we're going to see in after Easter, Jesus praying alone in the Garden of Gethsemane, we have to remember that collective prayer is an important part of the life of the church. It's an important part of the life of faith. 
if you're a Christian and you're never praying collective prayers with your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're missing out on the fullness of God's blessing for you. Whether it happens in, in a life group or in a Sunday school class or a Bible study or just a gathering of friends, something amazing happens when God's people come together to pray. The Lord's Prayer reminds us that we are part of the family of God. We're part of the local family of God. The people sitting next to you are your brothers and sisters in Christ. They're your fathers and mothers. That one guy is your crazy uncle. And he loves you. And you should love him. He's part of the family. And so are you. When we pray this prayer, we are reminded that we are called to love and serve one another. When we pray this prayer, we're reminded that we are not alone. In fact, I would go so far as to say that the person sitting next to you this morning may very well be God's answer to your prayers. That's especially true if you're sitting next to one of the Dons or one of the Bruces. Those guys are amazing. They need their own shirts. They will do anything for you. The local family of God includes both adults and children. One of the reasons why we pray this prayer together every single week is that I want our kids to learn this prayer. There's nothing sweeter than hearing the voices of the littlest members of the family of faith praying this prayer together, shouting it out, learning and knowing that they are an important part of God's family. Sometimes they cry. Sometimes they need to go to the back of the church. Sometimes they drop little things on the floor. Sometimes they spill their coffee. That was the kids, Ralph, not me. Where's Ralph? I didn't do it, okay? It was the kids. But I wouldn't trade hearing the sound of their prayers for anything in the world. They belong, and we belong to the family of God, our Father in heaven. But that's not all. This prayer reminds us that we are part of the global family of God. God isn't just our Father in the sense of just the people in this room. He's not just our Father in the sense that He is an American Father or a Floridian Father. He is the Father of everyone who believes. He is the father of every single person from every single nation who has been adopted into the family of God through Jesus. This morning, when we pray this prayer, we are praying it alongside of brothers and sisters in Mexico, in China, in France, in England, in the Netherlands, Russia, the Ukraine, Israel, Palestine, Japan, Uganda, We are part of the global family of God. And someday when Jesus comes again, we will all be gathered around the throne of God. People from every language and people group and nation joining our voices together as one, as in a symphony 
of prayer and praise to Jesus, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In a world where we are often divided by borders and languages and cultures and traditions, the Lord's Prayer reminds us that God is our Father, and we are part of the global family of God. The Lord's Prayer reminds us that we are part of the historic family of God. When we pray this prayer, we pray this prayer alongside every Christian who has ever lived. We pray this prayer alongside Mary and Joseph. We pray it with the apostles. We pray it with Lazarus and Barnabas and Onesimus and Philemon. We pray it with Luther and Calvin and Augustine and Jonathan Edwards. We pray it with Frederick Douglass and Booker T. Washington. Some of us pray this prayer along with our parents who taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Some of us pray it with our grandparents who have gone home to be with the Lord. Some of us pray it with our great-grandparents and a few of us with our great great grandparents the lord's prayer is our prayer the love of god through jesus our savior makes us part of the family the family of faith the family of god and as god's people we are a praying family now the second thing that we see is that kingdom prayer is intimate prayer When we pray this prayer, we pray it to our Father in heaven. We pray to the God who loves us. We pray to the God who always takes care of His children. Now, not all fathers are like that. Some earthly fathers are absent Some earthly fathers are abusive. Some earthly fathers neglect their children. Some earthly fathers leave the family behind. Even the best fathers fall far short of who God has called us to be. Our Father in heaven isn't like that at all. Our Father in heaven is a perfect Father. Our Father in heaven loves us with perfect love. Our Father's love is sustaining love. Our Father's love is encouraging love. Our Father's love is supporting love. Our Father's love is forgiving love. Now I want you to feel the wonder of this. I think as evangelical Christians, we sometimes take the fatherhood of God for granted. I think when we think about God and we address Him as our Father, we say, well, of course God is our Father. It's in the Bible. We're just very used to that idea. Frankly, I think many of our unbelieving friends and family members also take the fatherhood of God for granted. We say, well, of course God is my Father. Of course God loves me. I'm me. What's not to love? Right? We assume upon this. What's striking is that in Jesus' day, nobody talked about the fatherhood of God. No rabbi would teach his disciples to pray, Our Father in heaven. It just wasn't done. 
in the 39 books of the Bible, in the Old Testament, there are 14 references to God as Father, and in every single instance, God is referred to as the Father of the nation of Israel and not as the Father of individual people. It's sort of like saying that George Washington is the Father of America, or that Thomas Edison is the Father of the light bulb. It's the language of origin. It's not the language of family. If you were to ask the average person in the first century, the average Jew, the average pagan, who is God, they might say God is a warrior. They might say that God is a king. They might say that God is a lion. A modern Jewish writer has said God is an earthquake. They wouldn't say that God is a father. It's too intimate. It's too personal. How can sinful people have that kind of inf- uh, intimate relationship with a holy God? How could created human beings have that kind of personal relationship with the God who created us and every molecule, molecule in this universe? How could that be? He is so transcendent and so large and so great. When I was growing up, we used to sing a hymn that went like this. Immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes. That is a perfect way to understand the Old Covenant ancient first century view of who God is. God is invisible. God is inaccessible. God is hidden from our eyes. He's majestic. He's glorious. He's not a father. That's blasphemy. Do you remember what the Pharisees, the ultra-religious, right-wing, conservative Uh, believers of that day said when Jesus started talking about God as his father, they said, we have to put this man to death. He is blaspheming God by claiming that God is his father. No human being can have that kind of relationship with God. It's impossible. Now, here's where it gets interesting. In this prayer, Jesus is saying it is possible. It's not just possible for me, it's also possible for you. God is not merely my father, God is your father. God is the father of everyone who believes in Jesus. When we believe in Jesus, when we're united to Jesus by faith, everything that belongs to Jesus including his intimate relationship with God, is imputed to us. And so now, we who believe in Jesus have the right to be called children of God. That's what John said in John chapter 1. He writes, Jesus came to his own, his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him. Who believed on his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. 
When we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, we are praying to the God who loves us. We're praying to the God who has adopted us into his family. We're praying to the God who has forgiven all of our sins through Jesus, the Son of God who died on the cross in our place. We're praying to a heavenly Father. Kingdom prayer is intimate prayer. Last thing, kingdom prayer is transcendent prayer. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Jesus teaches us to pray to the God who is great, to the God who is exalted, the God who is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Because God is our Father, He is willing to answer our prayers. Because God is our Father in heaven, He is able to answer our prayers. I'm a father. Many of you are fathers. I love my children. I would do anything for my children. One of the greatest frustrations that I have as a father is that I'm not always able to do the good things that I want to do for my children. There are a lot of things that are broken in my children's life that I simply don't have the power to fix. I can't stop all the bullies. I can't fix scraped knees and elbows. I can't fix broken arms. I can't heal a broken heart. But the God who hears our prayers can and will. God can heal the sick. God can raise the dead. God can get justice for the oppressed. God can make things straight and beautiful and meaningful and good. Because our God is a Father, in heaven, we can pray with the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Kingdom prayer is transcendent prayer. We pray to our Father in heaven. Simply pray then like this. When we pray together, don't simply mouth the words. Pray to our Father in heaven, knowing that he will hear and answer for the sake of Jesus. Let's go to him now in prayer.
our Father in heaven, great and majestic and mighty God, the creator of the heavens and earth, I pray that you would hear our prayers, prayers for grace, prayers for love, prayers for forgiveness, prayers for strength, prayers for focus, prayers for meaning and purpose and hope. Oh Lord God, change our hearts. Reframe our existence, our reality, so that we might see the world as you see it. Oh Lord God, where there is darkness, may we shine the light of hope. Where there is ugliness, may we be people who show the world the beauty of who you are. When words fail, I pray that we would be able to make this prayer our prayer. Seeking you, Lord God, knowing that you might be found through the person and work of Jesus and in the power of your Spirit who prays for us when our words fail. Hear us, we pray, in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.